it's important that you hear this uh, from me. Amir, um, seven days a week, he's thinking about y'all. And he is, uh, he's very concerned, and he's energized, and he just wants the best for y'all. He's constantly thinking about your spiritual growth, connecting with God and with one another. And it's so refreshing to be around this, this cat right here who uh, Monday through Friday, his office is next door. I hear him getting crazy through the wall. He's doing push-ups because he's getting excited because he just got a, got a text message about something that happened cool in elevation. And you, you just need to understand, man, he, he is constantly thinking about the nation. Come on. Love you, dude. I love you. Um, also, uh, him, and, him and Pastor Neil Greathouse, I don't know if any of you got to meet him. Uh, they meet pretty regularly. It's hard for me to say the word regularly. Um, and they, uh, you, you need, you, it's also important that you know that Neil and, and, and Gina are constantly thinking about y'all. Um, I know they've opened up their house uh, to, to some, of the, some of the age groups, some, some of the leadership. Um, but I know that they're constantly having conversation about how to make Elevation stronger. How to how to reach more people. How to get on the campuses. How to reach more young, young adults. Next generation of leaders of uh of this city and of this nation. So, that's that's also important that you know that. And Pastor Rick and Michelle, you do know that uh, y'all are priority on their heart as well. So just hear that from me. Uh, if I hadn't had a chance to to meet you yet, I'm gonna sit down the entire time and I'm just gonna hang out. I'm gonna open this water real quick. Um, Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If you don't hear anything I say tonight, Jesus Christ loves you. Uh, he wants a relationship with you and uh, cares deeply about you. So let me just say that real quick. My wife Amanda is over here behind Justin Free. He's moving. Uh, she's holding our child, River, is what we named her. We believe God gave her, uh, gave us that name because oftentimes in Scripture, God's voice is described as rushing water. And what rushing water to me is a river. So um, me and my wife are both, it's very quiet in here. It's crazy. I'm trying to get used to that as I speak. Me and my wife are both 30 years old. Um, give you a little bit of background on myself. Um, we met in college. Bow weevils. I'm a bow weevil. Whatever they do. That is the uh, University of Arkansas in Monticello, South Arkansas. Um, interesting, it's interesting enough, I chose that college um, for two reasons. One, money. I had a great scholarship there. But a second one was uh, there was a man there by the name of Robert Leonard. And uh, he was my mentor in college. It's very important that you have a mentor, and I'm sure a lot of you do. If you don't, I encourage you to seek that out. It's very biblical. Um, interesting enough, Rob Rob is speaking at Ida Waldron right now at Old Main here in Conway. Uh, Rob taught me a lot about uh, Scripture, taught me a lot about how to read it, how to bury it inside of you. Uh, he led me really well. Um, so I, I owe, God bless you, I owe my life uh, to him. And uh, so, brief background, 
Rising Arkansas is God's gift to this planet, and that's where I'm from. <laughs> rising Wildcat. You right, you kind of look rising. What's, what's your last name? Jackson Lowry. Wait a minute. Your dad's name is Brian. I'm going to do some push-ups right quick. Man, rising Wildcats, baby. Whoo, it just got really good. That's God's affirmation right there for me. Yes, Lord. Um, rising, man. Rising's south of Arkansas. Not a whole lot going on in Rising. Rising's a little different city than most cities in this state. Uh, you learn a lot. God shows you a lot in Rising. So if you've never been there, don't ever go. True. Amen. There we go. Get the claw out, man. Um, been in school a lot. Been in high school a lot. Been in college a lot. I say that because I've been in, been in higher education, uh, recruiting for uh, two different institutions in the state. Now my third, with OBU at NLC. Um, so I, I got to spend a lot of time with high school age students and also college students. And I chose this path, I believe I chose this path, because this is where my life changed was in college. And I'm going to share a little bit about that. It's going to lead into what I, what I want to talk to you about. Um, I just want to share with you some stuff, some things that God has taught, taught me, some things that I've learned, maybe some things that I missed, uh, maybe a few mistakes that I made. I just want to be very transparent with you. Uh, like Amir said earlier in, in the introduction, this is going to be a little different, kind of like a large, small group, Amen. So I'm going, to try, I'm going to speak to you like that, and that's how it's going to be. And just remember, Jesus Christ loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. So, um, my my role at at New Life is is split. Serve groups pastor in OBU at New Life Church. So um, there, there's that going on. But um, when I was, I have got an interesting life. Man, this is so awesome. When I was 16 years old in Rising, Arkansas, I was 10th grader. This was before we had a new high school, okay? So this was in this asbestos field building, okay? I don't know if you remember that. But um, I had to get my wisdom teeth removed, uh, and I was really excited about that, all four of them. Chose to do it on a spring break, and to be able to do that, I don't know if any of you all had to have that happen, but in, in that time, in 2001, that's how old I am, um, you had to get a full-body uh, physical, and I hadn't had one of those since football, Seventh grade, you know, you had to do that. So I went went there, did that, full body physical, uh, come back. I'm in class one day in Rising High School, and an announcement comes over the intercom. Josh Rawls, and you come to the office, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you're in trouble. I'm telling your dad. And I get there to the office uh, in the high school, and both of my parents there, and my mom is crying. And I'm trying to figure out what have I done. Oh, man, I've ruined my name. Rawls' household is going under. And parents aren't really talking to me. They're signing me out like the old ways. It's back when we had prayer in school. But we get in the car and we're, we're going. My parents get me in the car and they're saying, Josh, we got to go to Little Rock. Um, your physical has reported uh, something that we need to get taken care of fairly quickly. And long story short, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you the full story, but uh, went to UAMS. Kent Westbrook is the leading cancer skin cancer doctor in the state of Arkansas still to this day. And that's where I'm going. I, I met with him in his office and um, 16 years old with my mom and dad. Mom and dad's crying. They know why we're here and I'm realizing why I'm here. And he tells me that I've got skin cancer. It's melanoma. It's malignant. 
the worst case there is, uh, you've got six months to live, don't really know if you got a shot, but we can give it a shot. What do you want to do? And it was very, it was very surreal. Uh, you often see movies, Hollywood does a great job of when a, a shocking element happens in a person's life, it's almost like they have an out-of-body experience and the camera kind of circles their head while they're not standing, while they're standing still. That's kind of what it felt like. And um, in that moment was where I gave my life to Christ because I heard him speak to me audibly. Um, he said to me in that chair, you AMS, still there, and it's crazy. He said, uh, you are not who you think you are. I am who I say I am. And in that moment, that you're about to die, left. It was some peace passes all understanding. That's really what it was. And I got... As crazy as it sounds, I got naked right there in that room and stepped in the next room, and I was on a surgery table, and they were cutting me open and removing this cancer from me. And I have the uh, have the scissors here that they used on me when Christ saved my life in this world. I still have it. It's a reminder. And I hang on to that because Christ is constantly reminding me, and I see him, and I see God constantly reminding his people all throughout Scripture of his faithfulness, of his promises, of X, Y, Z. And that's a reminder for me, and I'm going to touch on that here in a moment. But um, that day is when my perspective kind of began. I was 16 years old, and that's when I gave my life to Christ. I didn't get baptized until I was 20. Um, got out of high school, got to college, met Rob Leonard, started doing some college ministry, um, Learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about God. I was raised in church, Rising Baptist Church. Man, I was raised in church. Both parents had uh, leadership positions in the church. Dad was a deacon. Mom was a Sunday school teacher. I was at church all the time. And uh, so I was very aware of Scripture, knew all the stories, could sing all the hymns, um, knew all the, all the motions, all that good stuff. And, but I never gave my life to Christ until that moment I had an encounter with him. And then I never started living for him until I got to college when I started actually uh, participating in ministry or doing ministry, if you will. And what really started my life over was when I got to go on a mission trip. Anybody going on a mission trip here lately? Anybody go to Haiti specifically? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Mission trips are incredible. Um, just been afforded the opportunity. I'm a mission trip junkie. Um, got to go on a lot. And... Um, this particular one was, uh, was in Jamaica, and I'll never go back to that island. God's going to have to call me on the phone to go back to that island. <laughs> the people that I went with was a special group of people uh, because this was, not a, uh, this was not a safe mission trip. We were, we were warned ahead of time. Um, Jamaica is not hell, but I believe you can see hell from Jamaica. That's, that's just how crazy this is, where we went. We, we spent, I think it was two weeks there. But at this time in my life, uh, I, had, I had had a couple of surgeries already with my mouth, and my cancer, and my wrist. And we happened to visit a uh, hospital. A hospital. Um, man. And what I saw there changed my perspective. greeted with uh, urine and feces smell. 
no privacy in the rooms, open wounds, doctors having surgery as I'm walking by, seeing bones obstructed, intestines laying out, just seeing all kinds of stuff. And I was wrecked. I was emotionally wrecked, almost like I am right now. And my leader, Rob Leonard, grabbed me on the elbow and yanked me out of there. He stuck his fingers in my face and said, don't you, don't you lose it in front of these people. They don't need anybody to feel sorry for them. He said, get your act together. I said, yes, sir. And I, I didn't go back in. I couldn't get it together. I just walked out. I stood by a barbed wire fence where chickens were running in and out of the hospital. And I just grabbed that fence. And I was just standing there. I was like, man, God, oh, my gosh, you chose me for this time and this place. I have no reason to be in Ryzen or Monticello. I should have been over here, born into this people group. I'm so selfish. I started thinking about all this stuff, man, and God reminded me again. He brought me back to that chair. And then he laid a scripture on my heart. I need to tell you what that is, and that's in Mark chapter 8. I'm trying not to get so deep to y'all. Sorry. We're getting, we're getting heavy quick. <laughs> my life is crazy. I love my life. Um, in chapter 8, okay, you need to understand the backstory, and I'm going to fill you in because I didn't give you homework before we met. Uh, Jesus just fed the 5,000. Okay, this is the feeding of the 4,000. This is right behind it. Just a few chapters. I don't know how much time has, has went by, but this is the 4,000 that he has fed. And what's happened is they're moving, him and the disciples are moving back and forth through some different cities. And um, the disciples and Jesus are on a boat. And in verse 14, it says, the disciples forgot to bring some bread with them. Forgot the biscuits. Forgot the bread. Except for one loaf they had with them on a boat. And Jesus says, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they, meaning the disciples, discussed this amongst themselves. It was because we have no bread. They're still talking about biscuits. And then Jesus said, this is in chapter, verse 17, it says, Aware. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you still talking about this? Why are you talking about no bread? Do you not see? Do you not understand? Are your hearts hardened? And here's what I want to focus on with you today is this scripture, verse 18. Do you have eyes and fail to see? And do you have ears but fail to hear? And you don't remember. I believe that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was on the, on the cross for a reason. Because uh, on a tree is where we lost Jesus, where we lost God in the garden. And on a tree, a little while later, is where we find Jesus. And it's, 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 it reminds me of that. But what I, what I want you to understand is I want to talk to you about eyes and ears tonight. Eyes and ears. And this, is, this mission trip, my story is leading up to this. To obey Christ, you'd have eyes and ears. Learning from obey. Pastor Randy Buzet was here, Pastor Rick's uh, brother, a few Sundays ago, and he touched on this uh, off and on uh, about responding, hearing, hearing the Holy Spirit and responding. But when I was a little kid, y'all, um, some of you may can relate to this. We would, my family would really only get to, my extended family would really only get together on special holidays, usually around Christmas or Thanksgiving. And when I was a little kid, they would make me sit at the little kid table on those little, it was shorter, popped out legs. It was real kitty. And all the cousins, all of us would sit around it. And it was real close to the, to the, to the parents' table. They can keep an eye on us. Well, 
We're sitting there and we were eating. I will never forget this. My cousins started grabbing green beans off their plate and putting it on the table. And they were thumping it like footballs. Have you ever played that football game where you thump it like football? And they were hitting me with green beans. And so I grabbed a green bean and, I, I, and my dad, son, I heard his voice and he said, don't play with your food, eat it. Yes, sir, sorry. You know, I can't remember how it was. So I started eating. Hits me again. Another green bean hits me again. <laughs> I don't even look up. I grab it. I'm, I set it up right here. And I'm about to aim. And I see my father. And I, I put it down. Now, listen carefully. My father never made a noise. But I saw him. And I knew what he was saying to me. You need to be able to see. When I went into that hospital in Jamaica, I began to see. And I'm so, I apologize to God a lot because it took that for me to see, begin to see. And that is what Christ wants me to see all along is that what you're so focused on, what is going on in your life, getting your, you know, all this and that, what it, fill in the blank. You, the Holy Spirit's telling you what you're focused on right now, what you don't need to be focused on. But you, don't need to be, you need to be focused on the things of God, the kingdom, souls. Amen. Um, and hearing, hearing and seeing is very, very closely related. Um, sharing some things that God's done in my life. To be able to hear God, I mean, you have, to, you have to be quiet so your life has... My life is really loud, y'all. It's always been loud, and I allow it to be loud because I choose that. And I fill up my life with things that make noise that cloud God's voice in my life and it's very obvious but there's also a lot of times outside of your life being loud that I'm in the wrong position to hear um, Neil Greathouse is uh, at his house right now or visiting with a couple and I could scream as loud as I want to right now and he'd never hear me he'd never hear me he's in the wrong position to hear me and I just want to encourage you tonight to be in the right position to hear God and I don't know what that looks like to you. Only you know what that is. But if you're in the wrong position, your right position is empty. So just understand that. If you're, if you're, if you're in the wrong position, if a Christian is in the wrong position, their right position is empty. That's a hard lesson for me to learn. Um, so there comes hearing and seeing, and there also comes responding. You got you got to be able to respond. So you got to be able to recognize God's voice. Um, I just had a, a conversation uh, with a person asking me, "How do you know? How do you know it's God telling you to do something versus um, like your flesh or you know other than God?" And there's an example that I use. And it's, this is Josh Rawls' teaching. This in the Bible. This is my example. Okay, we're in a large life group setting here. When I was back in Rising, I keep bringing up Rising. I learned a lot about God in Rising. When I was in Rising, living with my parents, um, my parents had carpet in the majority of their house, but in their living room, they only had tile. So in the hallway leading from the living room to all the bedrooms had carpet in it. And my dad, he's from, y'all ain't never, you know where this is. My dad is from Herbine, Arkansas. Man, Herbine don't even have a zip code. It's just a sign. They don't even have a population. It's a herbine. There's a creek that runs through it. That's all it is, man. That's where he's from. But I, I say that because 
my dad, when he would walk on the carpet, he would always step on the outsides of the hallway close to the baseboards because if you walk in the middle of the hallway, you're, you're trampling down the carpet, and over time it wears the carpet out. So he would walk on the outside trying to, trying to keep the carpet looking fresh. In doing, my mom would not do that. In doing that, he developed a cadence, and I began to learn his walk. I began to hear it, and it differed from my mother's. So when I was in the living room in high school before Jesus Christ, watching something probably I wasn't supposed to be watching, I could recognize who's coming down the hallway without seeing them. That's how I kind of, is God speak? Is God telling me this? Do you recognize his voice? I could recognize my parents coming. Why can I recognize my parents coming down the hall? Because I spent a lot of time with them. Day in, day out. That's how you recognize God's voice. And then when you hear God's voice, it's undeniable. You know it's him. It's easy. Oh, it's simple. Then life becomes a little bit more clearer. But anyways, mission trips are, are, uh, I'm going to jump back on mission trips real quick. They're very special. And um, what I've learned about mission trips are, it's so awesome. The longer you can go, the better. I encourage you. You can go on a two-week trip, a month trip, whatever the case may be. But here's what I've learned. Every mission trip I've ever been a part of, it's cost me something. It's usually a lot of finances. And it's a lot of time, whether it be vacation time, my summertime, my spring break time, whatever the time it is. But it costs me time, and it costs me finances. And usually when I go on a mission trip, we spend a lot of time meeting about it beforehand. We're talking about the people group we're going. We're learning the language. Learning languages. Learning how to say Jesus Christ to people. You're learning the customs. You're learning, you're about to eat some gross food, so get your mind right. You're learning all these things. And when people that's never been overseas, a third world country, you start talking to them about customs and how to navigate a airport. So you're doing all these meetings, thinking about it. You're spending time towards what you're about to go do for this short amount of time. It's cost you money. You're prayed up. You start going over the Roman road if you don't know it. You start reading more of Scripture because you're in the back of your mind, like, man, if I get in the corner, somebody asks me something, I better know what I'm talking about. I'm going to read some more of the Bible. You're reading more, praying more. You get over there, you don't have your phone. You don't have all the social media. The entire day, every day, day after day, it's not about you. You're not going to where you want to go. You're going to this village. You're going to do a Bible school, sing some songs. Then you're going to hop over here to this village, and you're going to do some work. And then you're going to go to bed because it's midnight. You're going to do it all over again, all over again. You're sharing Christ. You're singing hallelujah. People getting saved. Oh, my God. Five, six, seven days of that, you start entering into something. And I believe you're entering into the life God created you to enter into. And that feeling is very addictive. You're like, oh, my God, I could do this for the rest of my life. I could quit school, you know, whatever the case may be. I felt it. Man, I could live here. My parents would freak out if I lived in Africa. But I could do it. So I've been doing it, and I love it. I feel like I'm doing what God here, guys. Everything's crystal clear. Oh, man. And then you get back, and you realize who you were. And all this stuff starts coming back. And you're like, man, why is everybody? Man, it was so awesome back over there. I go to the next mission trip. I got to do this again. Da 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 da. That mission trip, man, is it gets your mind off of you, and you start thinking about the things of God, and you start caring about His Word, and God's people begin to consume God's Word, and it begins to overflow, and you love it. You know why you love? It? Because God created you. You're His creation. That's what He created you to do. It's very simple. Wow, I've never felt this before. It's awesome. 
So that's where my perspective began to change. And then I started getting um, a lot of lessons God teaching me about obedience to Him, how that pleases Him, how important obedience is to Him. And to be able to obey Him, I need to be able to hear and see and respond. And a lot of response, every response is going to flow out of the fruits of the Spirit. You need to understand that. And it's very hard for me to wrap my mind around a lot of times when I'm responding out of the flesh. That's why it's very important that you have a core group of people in your life that can speak into you and slap your hand if your hand needs slapped. There are a few people in this room that can do that right now with me. That's Amir and that's Kate Post. Thank you both. Thank you both. But it's very important that you have a core group of people in your I'm, I'm, I'm skipping all over the place. I'm going to come back to that. But I want to ask you, how do you know you love someone? Raise your hand if you're engaged. Two people over here. Okay. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just thought I'd let you know I know you're in the room. How do you know you love someone? Don't answer this. Don't raise your hand. How do you know you love someone? You really love someone. How do you know? Here's how you know. You spend time with them. Y'all are calling them, texting them, Snapchatting, all this other, this and that and the other. Probably spending money with them or on them. Taking time out of your schedule, making plans with them. Hey, let's go do this on this weekend. Let's go Finland. My question is, do you love God? Prove it. If my wife, if my relationship with my wife looked good on Sunday morning and on Thursday nights, man, and never really talked to her Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday, how would our relationship be? That's very convicting to me. I'm sharing convictions with you. That's very convicting to me. I think about that a lot. Do I love God? Am I, is what I'm doing proving that I love God? So, in my life, there are about seven areas that, man, I got, dang, Jerry, turn around. There are about seven areas that, uh, that I serve God or that I hear from Him or I see His His fingerprint in my life very close. I'm in his shadow. There's seven areas of these. You can write these down. You can just look at me, whatever you want to do. Uh, but the first one is God himself. And how I, how do I serve God and how do I hear from him? It's strictly through obedience, prayer, study, acknowledgement, thankfulness, gratefulness, acknowledging him in my life in all areas. So that's, that's very important. And that's an everyday thing. That is a... Uh, Used to have a, I used to have a watch that, uh, that beeped every hour on the hour. And I set it that way so that I could hear it and hopefully refocus, 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 and think about that. Because God saved my life, man. Y'all, whew, okay? Second one is church or his bride. How I serve the bride, how I serve the church, how I hear from him is through outreach. Mainly, this is, this is tailor-made, this is custom fit to you. Because it's using your spiritual gifts, your giftings that God gave you himself. He created you, he gave you these. Using these in his, at, at the church, in his bride. Family is the third one. Right now, my dynamic looks a little different than yours. Some of you may not be married. Some of you may be. Um, but my, my first responsibility is to my wife and my child. Sitting over there, she's so beautiful. Man, name's River. I can see her cheeks from over here. Man. Um, but before we got before we got married, it was it was my parents. Made sure I honored them. Made sure I did not grieve them. 
made sure I was responsible. Fourth one, second one. The fourth one is coworkers or classmates. Um, there's a lot of you that are in, are in high school or college, maybe just exiting. I think the majority of you are still in college. Whatever school you're in, school of business, school of education, whatever school you're going to be in, your high school, seniors, graduating, going to school, man, this is where, this is where the game gets real. That, uh, that building, those buildings, those people, those persons around you, man, they are in your, they're in your grasp. They're in your earshot. They're in your reach. Open your eyes. Understand that the Savior loves them. And, and it's very important that they know that. And you got, you, 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 you got to go after these people now. Okay? Hello? Man, uh, get them here. Um, I, I would suggest a uh, start building a relationship, which I know how y'all know how to witness to people. If you don't know how to witness someone, you better get ready. Uh, just, just witness to a guy today in my office two hours before y'all got here. Sixteen year old, and uh, man, we just we're gonna try it again. We're gonna try it again on Monday. Um, but that's very convicting. Pastor Darren Delon sent a few of us a text message asking. How many people have you shared the gospel with this week? And it was, I thoroughly appreciate uh, accountability, encouragement, direction like that. But I learned that I wasn't doing that in Jamaica. I learned that I was so focused on the next event in my life, the next meeting in my life, the next, man, I really hope this girl, I hope I can get this God-fearing girl. You know, insert your own situation here. You need to wake up. You need to hear what you need to see. Souls. I just, I just really want just Jesus. We souls, man. That's all I can say about that. Core group of friends is the next one. I have a core group of friends that I, that I try and serve, that I pay close attention to, that there's accountability. They can speak into my life. They're open door. They can check me, say something to me. I appreciate that. Um, it really makes me evaluate myself. Everybody in here, I feel like, has at least a core group of friend or friends. Um, if you don't, you need to... You, you need to desperately seek that out. Um, but you also need to serve them. And uh, you need to be aware of their needs in their life. You need to be aware of accountability because those, those people um, are important. Neighbors. I lived in an apartment for the majority of my life. I got married and bought a house, and that's been awesome. I lived in an apartment for 27, no, not 27 years of my life. It was a... Uh, Left high school, college, got married. Somewhere about 10 years, better half of my life. Whew. Rent was awesome. Man. Y'all, if y'all ain't saving up for house rent right now, y'all need to start saving up for house rent. That's a whole nother ball game. Man. My, uh, my next door neighbors are some old timers, man. Old timers. Mr. Uh, Mr. Richard. And Miss Peggy uh, Russell, Miss Peggy, man, they're hard of gold, but they they usually come out when I'm doing yard work. They got always got something to talk about. Woo, I ain't got a whole lot of time. Sun's going down. Can't mow in the dark. How you doing? Tell me all about it. But it's in those moments that I remember that everywhere I read in Scripture, Jesus was concerned about that. He acted on interruption. Loved inconvenience. 
And that, oh, man, I, I, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm looking at them in the eye. I'm saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I'm watching that sun go down. I still see how much more grass I got to mow. And then it just really, just really comes over me. God reminds me of that chair in the doctor's office. He reminds me of my eyes and my ears. And though it may not be a life-changing conversation you're having with them, they may be believers. And you may not be talking about salvation or putting your hands on them and praying, but they may be telling you something extremely important. And I learned a lesson not too recently ago about that. And Mr. Dick was about to have surgery. They call him, he calls himself Dick. I'm Dick. I introduced him as Richard, but it just kind of came out right there. I try not to say that word. Anyways, um, that's his name. And my line. Let's draw more attention to it, Josh. Richard is his name. <laughs> Richard is on his driver's license. He introduces himself to everybody that I bring over to my house. I promise you can ask him here. Don't leave me hanging. Oh, my gosh. This is why they don't let me talk on the weekends. <laughs> All right, everybody bow your head. <laughs> Usher's going to come forward. But it may not be a... Uh, it may not be a, you know, I don't know who Jesus is. Tell me who that is. It may not be that type of conversation, but he began to tell me about something that was really on his heart. He's an older man, and he was about to have a life-changing surgery that could have killed him. And it meant a lot to him. And I'm thinking about weed-eating, sweating. I'm thinking about weed-eating. He's wondering if he's going to die in two weeks because this surgery is complicated. He's maybe get put on dialysis. And I just, man, just, oh, my gosh, wake up, Josh. Please, God, please forgive me. Your neighbors, be aware of the needs you can meet. Create some community, man, with your neighbors. They may be foreign. Every roommate, every neighbor I've had in an apartment complex, they've been from somewhere that cooked something crazy, and I smelt it through the air conditioner vents every time they cooked it. Well, that's a prime invitation for you to go, what you got going on over here? But you're looking at it as, man, ding, 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 take that back to where they came with stink. <laughs> Wake up. Y'all know it. Y'all laughing because you know it's true. And then the, the last area, what, how much time do I got? And the last area, 8 o'clock, is, uh, is strangers. So we have God, church, family, coworkers and or classmates, whatever your situation is, uh, Core group of friends, neighbors, and then strangers and bonus. And here's where my flat tires come in. We used to give people flat tires all the time. That's how old I am. I don't know if you ever know what a flat tire is. You go behind somebody and you step on the back of their shoe and they come out and almost trip. And it's funny how anybody laughs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an actual flat tire on the side of the road. And I hear God, like my dad, walking down the hallway when I pass a flat tire. Because... That person. And let, hey, God speaks to me about that. Don't think you've got to go out and change every flat tire, okay? And here's another thing. Listen. When, so when God tells you to do something, don't call somebody else and tell them to go do it. Hey, man, God was telling me about Brian, man, I just really think you need to go talk to him. Like, you, you go talk to him. God told you. 
God told you. Why are you telling me? You go. I never, I can't find that in scripture. If y'all find that. <laughs> um, strangers. Flat tires. God, God, every time I pass one, and I'm seeing more stuff on news today, people getting killed, crazy people in the world today, doing crazy things. But when I pass a flat tire, I, you know, I hear God's voice in my heart. I feel an impression. Pull over. Help them. So after about the 15th time, I bought a jack and some tools to help me do this. Gosh, so some of these people ain't got no tools in the car, and I can't do nothing then. So start changing these flat tires. And, I, and for that moment, you, you need to understand somebody. Anybody here have a flat tire? Yeah, you have. Um, when you have a flat tire, there is, you don't, there's not a good time to have a flat tire. You are busy. You are late. Usually, there's something very important. About to have your first job interview. Why I got a flat tire? I ain't never had a flat tire in ten years. I got a flat tire right now. Why? It's usually incredibly important, and they are. They call them AAA. Get, don't got the number. Google ain't work. They're over the data limit. Oh my gosh! I'm stressing out. I'm my kids ain't eating. I need a diaper. You know, da da da. And then I pull up. Hey, how you doing? Oh man, just trying to get this flat tire. I don't have any money. No, it's cool. Let me help you out. Start jacking them up. They can't go nowhere. And they are right behind me, making sure I don't break their car. And you just kind of look up at them. Hey, man, you go, go to church anywhere? You start the conversation. They are hanging on every word you say. You can ask them anything. And that is so easy. The invitation is there. What do you want to ask them? What do you want to ask me? You know Jesus Christ? Where do you go to church? You a believer? You from around here? I mean, get it going. Right there, man. That's a huge opportunity. Bobby B. Remember Bobby B? Bobby Ballinger is a United States state representative, District 89 in the state of Arkansas. Bobby B had a flat tire on the interstate one day. Your boy rode up on him. (laughs) And Amir was there. And this cat was in a three-piece suit. He was late for session, and he had done called every, every person he knew, but they was all in session. <laughs> I got you, bro. So I started talking to him, man. He was sweating. I was sweating. He don't live here, but I encourage him to go to church. said he was a believer. But that's, that's, that's just a prime example. You never know who you mean. He gave me his business card. That was weird. What am I going to do? Vote for him? He ain't in my district. You have a flat tire, you get startled. I understand. Make sure I cover everything in my nose, man. Scripture uh, says that to seek out wisdom. And also in Scripture, it talks about white hair. Symbolizes a life of righteousness. So I kind of read between the lines there. So I will often ask old people who got white hair. Just go up and introduce them. Usually I don't know them. And I'll ask them, sir, you don't know me, but Scripture says it. Seek out wisdom from those who have it. And uh, if you have any wisdom for me today, and this particular person, this is the last thing I'm going to share with you. This particular old man is playing dominoes in Exxon gas station. He said, uh, yeah. The same boiling water that softens a potato hardens an egg. It doesn't matter about your circumstances. Depends on what you're made of. 
and that has stuck with me. Oh, that has stuck with me. And every time I, that comes back, I'll say it again. That same boiling water that softens a potato, it hardens an egg. And it's not about the circumstances you're in. It's about what you're made of. And I don't know where these people get that. That's an old Chinese proverb. I don't know, but it blew my mind. Okay? Google it, and I don't know. Charles Hedges, Spurgeon says it. I don't know. But I thought that old man was a genius in that moment. And I have held on to that and held on to that. And when that comes up in me, when I think about that, 100% of the time, it's never when somebody is acting a fool or somebody else is living in sin or X, Y, Z, one, two, three. It's always when I'm about to respond outside of the tree of evil or I'm not going to respond in fruits of the Spirit. That's when I, it's always me. It's internal. When I think about that, I mean, what, have you, what are you made of? Is Christ in you? Is God's Word inside of you? Are you kingdom minded? Are you thinking about souls? So if you don't mind, let me close this out in prayer. Man, it's been an awesome, awesome time spending with you guys. I think the world, world of you. Um, a dangerous place to be is where you can't see or hear God, but you also can't see the provision and the blessing that he's given you in your life. Those are two different areas. And that's dangerous. Um, that calls for a change of perspective. So just please understand that.